Well, welcome to Super Aging Podcast. This podcast strives to promote healthy aging and amplify caregiver voices while raising awareness about dementia. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Fatou Sisi. Today, I am speaking with Debbie Dodge, BCPA. Debbie holds the Graduate Certificate in Consumer Health Advocacy from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a board certification from the Patient Advocate Certification Board. She is the founder and CEO of Patient Care Partners, LLC, a private patient advocacy firm since 2016, serving South Central Wisconsin and beyond. Debbie and her team work exclusively on behalf of their patients and families. They are not a part of any healthcare systems, health insurance, or care facilities. As an independent third party, they help patients and their families navigate complicated healthcare and insurance networks. Debbie and her team help them with medical billing, care coordination, patient navigation from a nursing, case management, and medical billing advocacy perspective. They bring a collective wealth of experience to their clients in solving very complex problems. Welcome to the Super Agent, my dear friend, Debbie and colleague. Thank you, Fatu. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you today because I know the program that you you've did because I did the same program, mm -hmm. but also I've seen you right in action, how you just dive in to help your patients and your clients get through the maze of the healthcare. So topic today is the importance of patient advocacy, trying to navigate the mazes of uh, healthcare. So, and I couldn't talk to anybody better than you <laughs> who knows how to really do that. So thank you for making time to be here today and have this discussion with me. But before we dive into that, Debbie, tell me what super agent means to you. Oh, such an interesting concept. To me, super aging means that an individual wants to maintain an optimal quality of life given factors such as aging, mm -hmm. and they often realize that they might need to construct a team around them to help make that happen. Okay. They usually want to age in place, and they want to be able to work through issues such as illness or mobility or cognitive issues mm -hmm. in an empowered place as much as possible, given their changes and conditions. And we help them do that. That's wonderful because, you know, people age differently. I like your perspective. So in a way, no matter what your condition is, finding a way to walk through it and do the best that you can to live the best life possible for you. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing those perspectives with us. Mm -hmm. In a very simple term, can you let us know what patient advocacy means? What is that? Yeah. So the concept of patient advocacy is, is not new. I mean, mm -hmm. physicians have been patient advocates for 
hundreds of years. Right. And nurses have been patient advocates since the days of Florence Nightingale and her lantern, and that was in about 1860. And then the social work movement developed in the United States in the 1920s, and social workers are fabulous patient advocates. Absolutely. And family members are, are fantastic patient ad- advocates, right. and patients themselves can often be their best advocates. There are also advocates within our healthcare systems and our federal and state and local agencies. But I will say that institutional advocates mm-hmm. are very limited in what they can do to help patients and families. So the notion of a private patient advocate is someone who can work with a patient and family with no allegiance to any of these outside systems or nonprofit support systems or federal or state or local agencies. Institutional advocates, well, as I said, they're, they're limited in what they can do. So we are able to work with a patient and families who has our total loyalty right. and can swim through these systems mm-hmm. to help get patients what they need. And it's a, it's a wonderful bit of continuity as patients are going through either changes in their healthcare or if things are very, very stable and we're simply standing back poised to help if needed. Right. That's wonderful. I like the fact that you make a comparison between a privately practice patient advocacy and institutionalized patient advocacy because they can be very different. Private have no one to answer to. I'm just there to do my job. I'm not worried about what policies within a big system, right? Mm-hmm. So as, as a patient advocate yourself, I like the distinction between those within a big institution and those that are actually practicing privately mm-hmm. and owe no explanation to anybody but their patients and their families. Yes. And and certainly, you know, here in, in Madison, Wisconsin, in, in Dane County, there are a wealth of, of fabulous agencies who are doing great work. And, and they're often nonprofits. We often refer to them. But I will share that more often than not, folks will call us back and say, you know, I really appreciated that referral to such and such, mm-hmm. but they're not quite what I need because there's a long line to get to the head of the line right. or I don't fit, I don't quite fit in their criteria for them to be able to help me or my problem is such that I need a little more specialized care mm-hmm. and on top of that I don't want to be a burden to my family or my loved ones right. so that's that's kind of the scenario that we that often is- hear from folks that contact okay. us all right well thanks for sharing that as well what can you say is the importance of patient advocacy in healthcare, but especially in senior care as well? Well, our healthcare, you know, it's no secret, our healthcare systems are getting more complicated all the time, and that's not getting better. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you know, for the past 18 months or so, we've been in a global pandemic and we've had many, many challenges with COVID, but that as I was saying earlier to you, Fatu, that has had its blessings mm-hmm. because we have learned to work much more nimbly. And what I mean by that is we have embraced forums such as Zoom meetings mm-hmm. and telemedicine, mm-hmm. and we've been able to continue to support folks 
even if we're not necessarily bedside with them right. or in the clinic with them. Right. And that has been that has been fantastic. Yeah. And I do think that many of these practices will continue because frankly, folks see the value in not having to travel places. They don't have to subject themselves to germs. It's easier and it's more convenient, not for everything, but for a lot of things. So we've seen through this past 18 months or so that our work has become truly more relevant than ever. ever. And We've just been happy to continue to support more and more. That's that's great. I mean, I you're right. I like the fact that you bring up all the new innovative ways of tackling care and helping people, not bedside, but using electronics and technology mm-hmm. to help them use the healthcare system in the best way possible, given the, the pandemic situation. Because can you imagine if those things were not available to us, right. uh, how are we going to serve the, especially the most vulnerable mm-hmm. that are needing to be more distance from the, the virus or from mm-hmm. other people to be able to not have the virus? So I, I think you made a great point on how technology had helped in this situation. So it, it, moving on, what kind of cases do you use the work on as a patient advocate? Mm-hmm. There are a few kind of typical scenarios for us. We certainly work with the, the first thing we talked about, which was super aging. And that is a, a, a senior who is usually very savvy. They're very proactive. They want all their ducks in a row. And they realize that things might change, even if they are relatively healthy right now. Mm -hmm. So they're looking ahead and they're saying, you know, I want to stay in my house. I want to keep doing my things. If I should get sick, I want to know that I've got someone that I trust who is experienced and well-trained to help me through whatever might be in the nebulous future. Mm -hmm. So that's a very typical patient for us. Another equally typical scenario for us is Adult children who are overwhelmed with their parents' care, they might be here, but very busy. They might be remote and not able to be as involved as they would like, Mm -hmm. or they might simply be so overwhelmed with the fact that it's their mom or their dad or a loved one that they recognize that they need some specialized qualified, well-trained help. And they asked us to, you know, follow mom or dad um, through all of the pivots, through hospitalization, through rehab, through a new diagnosis, through changes in cognition, through changes in a care facility, and communicate with family who might be spread throughout the country or even overseas what's mm-hmm. going on. So that's that's very that's very usual for us. Okay. And interestingly through COVID, we've had some cases that have been absolutely remote. Okay. Um, we will never meet these people face to face, but we've been very involved with them through hospitalization, rehab, return home with home care support, then out to outpatient support and mm-hmm. continued follow up you know, as needed. It could be very um, intermittent, but very, very relevant support. So those are our, those are kind of our typical 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 people. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I, I listening to you, I also assume that there would be need for those that are maybe not elderly, but have maybe terminal illness or some chronic mm-hmm. illness and are just absolutely exhausted in trying to deal with the systems, the, I mean, the healthcare system. How does Absolutely. I mean, it truly, someone of any age can stand to benefit from a private a, private patient advocate at some point. Mm-hmm. We have worked with um, a special needs little boy who is seven years old, oh. and we have worked with his parents. Um, we've worked with a 29-year-old gentleman who was in a, a very serious car accident. He happened to be just over the state line was airlifted to a hospital where he received months of care Mm -hmm. and rehab, but then came to learn that all of this care was out of network. And he was saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt. And he was 29 years old. So it can be all ages. I realize that for the purposes of this podcast, we're talking about seniors, but truly anyone of any age can be faced with, with a struggle. Right. You know, yes, we're talking about elderly services in this podcast, but you know my interest in this area of patient advocacy. So I'm willing to like go in to discuss more detail because you touch on very important aspects that a lot of people have insurance and they literally have no idea what their network covered. Yeah. So out of network um, services, you, you end up with enormous amount of bill. So as a patient advocate, how do you try to help people sure. in those situations? Yeah, purely from a medical billing advocacy okay. perspective, we can help folks understand their medical bill, decipher if there have been errors in in their medical billing, usually with the codes that are used. Mm -hmm. We can also help negotiate medical debt. Mm -hmm. We can sometimes identify community supports that might be able to help with medical debt. Okay. Another thing that we see quite often is helping folks understand what their long-term care insurance policy might might cover. Mm-hmm. There's often a, um, you know, these are policies that folks can pay into for 20, 30, 40 years. And there's usually a very large binder that's associated with this plan. Right. And I so often hear that that um, folks have this policy and they've been paying into it for a long time, but they don't know what exactly their benefits are or right. how to submit claims. Right. So I can help, I can help decipher that. And it's, it, it's, um, you know, kind of put it into layman's language so that we can understand what we can, what we can extract from the long-term care policy to get the supports in need and then get those claims started so that the benefits can kick in. And that's often, that's often very helpful. Great. And, you know, you just, you mentioned uh, long-term care insurance, which unfortunately not many, many people have. Mm-hmm. I hope they do, but not many have from my experience. And those who have don't utilize it that much. And by the time they get to it too, they don't understand exactly what you said. They don't understand what is within their policies. And that then when they they made a request, and I think this is also where a need for patient advocacy comes in. Somebody who actually understands the policy and crafts your request based on your need, but also looking at the lens of 
what exactly your policy offers. Exactly. Because a lot of times they, they have that, but they put stuff in their request that they get denied for their insurance and then they pay for services that they are from out of pocket that could potentially be covered by the insurance, but Mm -hmm. because of the language they probably use. And what I have also realized is that some people with long-term care insurance, even though they are needing certain services, they are in denial of admitting that they actually need those things. So all of those things come into play when it comes to trying to get these policies activated. It's it's complicated. It's very complicated. complicated. It's often the elephant in the room. Nobody likes to talk about these things. I know. So we can kind what we do best, if I could just put this in a nutshell, is we work really hard to listen to our patients and families and and kind of decipher what's going on. And while we're listening to them, we're we're thinking about ways in which we can help. And we just Mm -hmm. very gently get them from point A to point B to point C to point D. Another thing, Fatu, that I will very frankly share with you is that So many families, you know, if it's whether it's due to illness or aging or changes in cognition, mm-hmm. they begin to enter rehab, then assisted living, then memory care. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very startling to families regarding how much this costs. And mm-hmm. in some cases, we we help people start to have the conversation about not only their Medicare coverage, but is it is it time to look at Medicaid, applying for Medicaid? Right. That is not something that we can do, but we okay. can help get the process started mm-hmm. by introducing our clients to an elder attorney who can help with that, that process, process legally and lawfully. And so many times the, the folks that I'm talking to they're they're dealing with so much and they're trying so hard to understand what is going on with the patient mm-hmm. that they they either are not aware that that might be an option or if they are aware of it they're not sure how to get it started mm-hmm. so again it's it's not something we can do but we can very gently get them guided in in the next steps in that and that wonderful that's, that's so helpful yeah yeah it's so it's, helpful. it's not only that you you providing those services but you're also like a resource to get them Mm -hmm. to do other right services that they need that you are not providing which is just right we can't do everything nor should we that's true but we can help get people connected to other 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 things yes yes that's Mm -hmm. wonderful how do people find services such as yours I, you know, I think about my mom a lot and my mom lives in another state. And I think, you know, if my mom was looking for a patient advocate, what would I, what would I tell her to do? Mm. Uh, My team and I are, you know, here in Madison, we're part of this, the sale directory, which is supporting act dependent and active independent living. We're part of that directory (laughs) and folks can find us here in Dane County. We're part of um, WALA, which is the Wisconsin Assisted Living Association. So we're right. in a directory that covers the state. Okay. We're in a couple national directories of private patient advocates. So there are ways to find us. Okay. 
we're very humbled by the fact that that our clients tell their friends about us, their friends and other family members. So often we get warm referrals, which is like meeting friends, honestly. Mm -hmm. But if you're just starting out and you might not be in the state of Wisconsin, for example, I would recommend checking out these checking out directories if you can find a directory for a patient advocate simply by Googling. If you find an advocate, I would I would carefully, you know, check their training, check Mm -hmm. their credentials. Are they board certified? If all of those things click off, I would then ask if I could meet with the advocate, you know, with a a, um, no obligation informational meeting to Mm -hmm. see if this might be, if this person could be someone that could possibly help me or my loved one. And equally important, if it would be a good personality fit. Right. So, um, so having a free consultation initial. Exactly. Huge. And we're, we're very generous about, about them and their services and the scope of what they provide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wonderful. So you touch on training. What are some of the specific requirements that is required of a patient advocate that seniors should know or patients should know? Well, I'm happy to report that the field of patient advocacy specific to patient advocacy, so we're not talking about medicine, we're not talking about nursing or right. social work, the field of patient advocacy is is coming into its own, and that right. is wonderful. Yeah. When you and I studied at the University of Wisconsin with a small program under yes. the law school, mm-hmm. patient advocacy was was an infant. It was a tiny baby. It really was an infant, infant. <laughs> Program. Not many people went through the program at the time. No. So, in let me think, 2018, that there was the board, the national board certification was was first offered, Mm -hmm. and that has really helped our field. So, this is a a nationally accredited test Mm -hmm. that you can sit for as Mm -hmm. a a patient advocate. It's offered twice a year. I sat in the very first cohort of folks that took this. I remember that. (laughs) I was thrilled. I remember the preparation that you were going through it. (laughs) It You know, it's it's not easy. I mean, you have to know a lot of different areas, but nevertheless, the the field has grown. When I first sat in this cohort, I think there were about 130 of us in the United States and Canada who were board certified. So that, that tells you how you know, there's just a few of us out mm-hmm. there. Now I believe it's about 850. It's so growing. It's, it's growing and we're more, I think we're, we're gaining traction in, in being recognized as to what we do. Right. And I know, you know, myself, I, I'm not, I'm not constantly explaining. This is this is what we do. This is how we help. People mm-hmm. seem to have a much better awareness of private patient advocacy, but I'm always happy to explain it. So we're we're growing. We are a, a small but mighty army, and I think what keeps us all afloat mm-hmm. is that we realize and we're very energized by the fact that we are solving such relevant, relevant problems. And we're able to do this by, again, swimming with folks Mm -hmm. through all these different points of care. Mm -hmm. And we offer that continuity that they they don't find in our healthcare system anymore. And that's a value. You know, folks appreciate that. 
So it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's really it's fantastic work and we're very proud of what we do. That's great. That's wonderful. It's nice to um be it's at service for others, but also realize the value of what you are providing and love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And by just hearing you and knowing you and see you seeing you in action. I know how how much you love your work and how well you do it. So um, thank you for, uh, again, explaining all that to us here. So why is such service especially important for seniors or those who have chronic illness? You know, when we get to know our seniors and, you know, we might be working with them very intermittently for, let's say, a year. Just, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're here if you need us. And, and th- there's not a lot going on with their health. Yeah. But I'll tell you, once something happens where, yeah. you know, they need to be hospitalized and, and then we're supporting them through the hospitalization, mm-hmm. we're supporting them as they enter into the rehab environment, we're supporting them possibly going home and getting home care set up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm often struck by I'm struck by two things. I'm struck by how resilient people are. Yeah. And I'm also struck by how vulnerable they can be. Mm-hmm. And I truly help my team and I all together mm-hmm. yeah. we help people translate all of these points along the way because it can be so overwhelming. True. Even if a patient is extremely motivated and they want to get back to their baseline, and we love that. That is wonderful. We are their biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. But it can still be so overwhelming to understand all of these pivots and to really, quite frankly, to get to get healthcare providers to kind of slow down and explain this in such a way that the patient understands. And then, you know, if we can recap it with them and, and go over it again and make sure that they're heard and that their concerns and their goals are are really at the 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 um, top of mind, mm-hmm. that type of thing is is so 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 important, particularly with our senior population. And you know, family members often you know they they want to be there, but they can't for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Or you know, a family a patient might have a lovely family, but they don't want to overwhelm or overburden their family. So. Mm-hmm you know, we kind of step in and, and we might just be the, the point person that communicates what's going on or mm-hmm. again, translates for the patients and helps them understand what their various options might be. You know, we're not making decisions for anyone, okay. but okay. we're helping them understand you could, you could do this plan or you could do plan B or there's plan C hanging out there. And we, and we make sure that they understand all of those options so that they can make the best decision for them based on their their goals and their wishes and and their current situation. You know that's that's amazing, and it, it just made me think the scope of what do you do for people. You know, because a lot of times you and I both know this: the times that people are facing health challenges, aging issues is another challenge. That, but then when we're talking about terminal illness, chronic illness, and people are in pain, they're not, they're thinking about what they're feeling right now, but they're not, they can't articulate all of the things that they want and how to navigate through the system. And also 
their mind is on the pain that's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. Not all the other things that healthcare providers and other providers from different settings are trying to explain to them. Mm-hmm. So having a third party or a second person who's right there listening, taking notes and translating, just like you said, into a layman's term and not even in that space, but even afterwards to say, hey, this is what was discussed at this meeting, at this doctor's visit. These are your options here, there, there, you know, and then you can also coach them into Picking on those options, even though ultimately they make the decision of what they want. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you you who understand the system can also coach them through that. And you who was paying attentively to the discussion when it was happening can mm-hmm. also help with that. That is just an invaluable thing, you know, just hearing you explain it and how that can transform someone's care. Is just remarkable. Well, and it's it's an honor to be there with mm-hmm. folks in this time because often when when folks are either chronically ill or or terminally ill, mm-hmm. their, their world might drastically shrink for a bit, mm-hmm. and it, things become very very simple. And we just focus on man. Well, your example of managing pain is perfect. We just focus on managing the pain, mm-hmm. and then if we can get the world their world to expand a little bit, we can talk about other things, but that's definitely a thing. And we're helping folks through all of these pivots. And sometimes it's, it's large and encompassing. And sometimes it just drills down to just this one thing. We need just this one thing. And we help, we help make that clear very gently and very diplomatically to a healthcare team who I promise you, especially in COVID, was very overwhelmed and working with a million different things at once and lots of new protocols and visiting restrictions. And we're in a global pandemic and all of those things. But still, when you're a patient in a hospital bed and this is what you need, those other things don't necessarily matter. Mm -hmm. These little things matter to that patient and we have to make sure that patient is heard. And that's, that's how we can help. Yeah, yeah. Such an important service. For seniors who are interested in hiring patient advocates, what options are available to them? Well, there are, you know, as I said, there are patient advocates throughout the country, private patient advocates who are in practice. Mm-hmm. If you are at all computer savvy, you can Google this and find out who in your geographical area might be able to help. There are national um, directories, and I can share a couple. Mm-hmm. One of them is gnanow.org, and that stands for Greater National Advocates Now, NAW.org. That's a, a national directory of trained private patient advocates. That's there great. is also the Association of Professional Health Advocates, or AFA.org. And they too have a, a national directory. I'm, I'm in both of those directories. As far as the state of Wisconsin, we are, my team and I are part of WALA, which is the Wisconsin Assisted Living Association's directory. Okay. We have a, um, let me think what it's called, Madison. Oh, the patient advocacy group? Yes. Okay. 
I, I, I'm blanking it's on what our name is. Advocates. Yes, it's a group of, of advocates yeah, here in Madison. We're all, advocates. Yes, we're all trained a bit differently. So our scope mm-hmm. is a little different, but we're yep. here in we, the county we area. Have different different issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could share my website, which is um, patientcarepartners.org. Yep. And we can see that in the care notes uh, as well, That's the right. case, case notes or so notes as well. This is what happened when you walk in senior care and you deal with care notes and case notes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to translate that into a podcast to a so There you have it. <laughs> it's true, it's true. So, you know, there are there are ways to find us, and that's how you can look from a, a national lens, a, a state okay. lens, a regional lens, a, a specific lens. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. What are some of the tips for someone who is going to the hospital preparing for a doctor's appointment? What are some of the things that they should Keep in mind. Mm, that's a good question. I would encourage folks to always think about what their short-term goals are and what their long-term goals are. And if you can make a couple little lists, I think that's very important. Most folks have, you know, a, a primary partner or one or two family members who are very involved or a trusted advocate. Communicate those those wishes and those goals to your circle to make sure that that they can help you make your wishes known. I, I just believe in being very transparent and, okay. and uh, making sure that, that if you're not able to communicate, if your trusted circle can communicate for you. And Fatu, I know you had something on about advanced directives. Yes. Hugely important to have advanced Yeah, yeah definitely. That was our previous segment episode. That was an advanced care directive and advanced care planning. I'll totally tell people to go back to that and check it out for planning those. I mean, you, you made a very important point. Well, uh, and that is the one case when someone can and should express your wishes for you. Right. Said earlier, we're not making decisions for anyone. Right. We're helping mm-hmm. them to understand options. But when you when you have your healthcare power of attorney agent, and that has been activated, that person then is tasked with expressing your desires and wishes and goals. So that's the one instance where someone should be legally speaking for you. Right. So that also is extremely important. Um, you know, to have that those legal documents on file with your healthcare system, with your physician, with your attorney, and then of course with whoever your agents are. Right. And one other thing that I would say, because I, I say this all the time, if you are a do not resuscitate, mm-hmm. it's very important yeah. that this is on your body. It, it's not enough for it to be stuck to your refrigerator door. It's not enough for this to be a note in your medical chart. Mm-hmm. It has to be it has to be very apparent a a wrist bracelet that Mm -hmm. you do not wish to be resuscitated. And when that is very sad is when that is your wish and that resuscitation process happens because EMT or healthcare team has no indication (laughs) otherwise that that's not your wish. So that's also very important. So, you know, there's a lot of things to think about. You hit on all the right notes. Just less than two weeks ago, I was speaking with a good friend of mine whose mom was needing our service. And we, 
I said, you know, I'll go in there and make an assessment. And we went in just exactly what you're talking about. She is a DNR, but does not have a bracelet. And when we start talking about it, she just gets in to go to her refrigerator to get this stuff. And I was like, you need a bracelet. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have some something on you. Yes. That is an indication that this is your wish. So that mm-hmm. when people actually get to you in emergency, they don't have to think about, oh, which room is she anyway? So we can go in and check in her time. Room, you know, about yeah. her DNR status. So obviously that that's a key point that you made there. It has to be on you so mm-hmm. that anytime, at any point, you're taking a walk, you fell on the street, wherever you are, you are at the mall, you are wherever you are, it should be on you. Mm-hmm. That could not be emphasized enough. So thank you for bringing that up. What are some of the tips to get seniors to try to do this difficult, not difficult, but you know, sometimes what I have encountered is that in a way to see value in these kind of services, because even though you and I both know how incredibly valuable these services are, we also know that we've met seniors, we've met people who needed them and who can afford them, but who did not in a way see the value, like they think they can do it themselves. You know, we, we've mm-hmm. seen them. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you can try to get them to understand the need to jump into something like this? Well, I think the hardest thing is getting started. I think it's it's very difficult to make that first phone call. And I'm always conscious of that when I pick up my phone and it's someone asking for help or for more information, I always think to myself, this was a difficult phone call for that person to initiate. Mm -hmm. So I understand that is, that's probably the hardest part of all of this. So we're, we're very, we're mindful of that. Another thing that we are very careful to explain is that some people think, oh, this is only for very wealthy people who can afford mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not necessarily true. And I can tell you about families who are very humble and, and mm-hmm. you know, they're very humble folks and wonderful folks. And they say, you know what, we realize this is a need and we're going to figure out between us how to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then when I can go back to them and say, guess what? I'm getting a refund from your nursing home in the amount of $10,000 because they shouldn't have charged you for that deposit they asked when you placed mom here because she was actually under the Medicare benefit. Right. I can hand somebody a check for $10,000. Whoa. So (laughs) so often, I mean, that's just like an amazing story, but it's a true story. But we can, we're, we're conscious of the fact truly, that we are billing for our services. So we have to make very sure that we are delivering value and top-notch customer service, or I promise you, we would not be in business after five years going into our sixth year. So we're, we're very conscious of that. The other thing that I always am careful to point out is we are not working for anyone 40 hours a week. This is very intermittent care, and we don't have any we don't have any minimum hours that you have to meet. You have to use this four days a week or four hours a day. None of that. 
our philosophy is we are here when you need us. We will we will work at first to get to know you and understand what your situation is. Mm-hmm. We will continue to work with you as needed. If nothing is going on, that's great. But we are poised to help you when you when you call us or when we check in and discover, oh, there now there's a new diagnosis. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a team of specialists. How can we work together to figure out how we can best support you? So I can confidently say that even though, yes, folks are hiring us much like they would hire a CPA to do their taxes, Mm -hmm. there is definitely a value associated with this type of support. And it's very, very individualized and unique to the patient. So that's what I'll say about that. As always, you make some absolutely great points. And I think you you gave a good example about overcharging or double billing in, you know, someone instead of their insurance taking care of that, they end up with that bill and then you reversing that and them Mm -hmm. having to get that, that money back. And I think that would be, that is true for even understanding their medical billing statements. Some Mm -hmm. are double billed and some necessarily, some there are things when you look at medical bill, I'm always amazed by some things that sometimes exist in the bill that you would go, but I didn't use this. What was this again? Mm-hmm. You know, and they crafted in a way that you, and how many people actually look at their medical bill statement? Right. Not a and, lot. And there's a, there's a percentage and I'm not remembering what the percentage is. Yeah, I it's say very small. Percent or there's some percentage I could look it up, but um, there's some, a percentage of medical bills that are wrong in any given year. And I, mm-hmm. I wish I could remember the number, but I can't, but it's definitely a thing. And most folks, they don't even realize it. They don't realize that. They don't they look don't at look at the other thing is, you know, and this makes me just crazy. If you've ever tried to contact either a billing office or an insurance system to ask questions, mm-hmm. it's impossible to get through those phone trees. Yeah. And you never talk to the same person twice. You never get consistent information mm-hmm. if you talk to two people. So it it quickly becomes very overwhelming. overwhelming. And we hear that a lot too. So we help, we kind of help navigate through that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. My very thank final you, question to you, my dear friend, is what do you do for self-care? Oh, that's such a good question because we couldn't do this work if we didn't stop to pause and recharge, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, my family and friends are everything and they they help me plug back in and that's wonderful. I think I appreciate them even more now that we're on the other side of COVID and we can actually yeah. get together and hug each other and see yeah. each other in, in real time and real in a real place. Yes. So um, I would say my family and friends are just everything. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for being with us today. This was yeah. such a delightful conversation and very educational and especially from someone with your expertise. I really appreciate you joining us today at the Super Agent to discuss this detail. Yeah, too. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here and you are such a, a trusted colleague and friend and I love what you are doing as well. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into Super Agent Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it so. 
If you have any questions, feel free to reach out by leaving us a comment or via email at info at superagentpodcast.com or connect with us on social media. And if you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe and review the show. Until next time, remember that self-care is self-love. Take good care.